Hi, everybody. Welcome along to episode 78 of Percussion Discussion. Um, as usual, please check out our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, our world famous YouTube channel where you can find all of the previous interviews. And of course, we've got some great ones coming up. We wouldn't want you to miss those. So please, please subscribe if you, if you can. It only takes a minute. Uh, if you prefer to listen on the go, you can find all of our conversations in podcast form. You can find these to download or to stream on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So if that's your thing, you know what to do. And if you can leave us a review, it only needs to be just one line. Amazing, brilliant, terrible, whatever it is, we'll take it. Uh, that would be great too. On to today's guest, um, a gentleman who is currently touring around the UK with the fabulous Simply Red um, an amazing Swiss drum, a beautiful feel, great drum sounds, and a really, really nice guy too. It gives me great pleasure to welcome the fabulous Mr. Roman Roth. My pleasure. It's good to talk to you. And um, so you're currently um, sort of flitting around the UK with Simply Red. We are, yes. It's been an amazing journey now back in the saddle and uh, everyone's having it and so are we. So yeah, it's been amazing. Fantastic. So I, I know there was a, a, you've had a little brief unexpected break due to this lovely pandemic, which we're all going through at the moment. Well, I wouldn't say unexpected. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's been quite a ride. We've bubbled up crazy. I used to sanitize the cutlery in room service and <sighs> just trying everything we could but at the end well not quite at the end in the middle of it it got us and it got all of us but our bass player steve lewis and he didn't get it it's, really uh, so, so, so the whole band's had it pretty much yeah yeah everyone wow yeah. so you but you've done incredible oh or i said management and promoters have done incredibly well to reschedule the gigs so quickly i have no idea how they did that but uh yes amazing because normally Absolutely it's, it's you're looking a few months down the line, aren't you? And, and you, amazing. Yeah, the O2 being free for just a week after is uh, yeah unheard of. So, well, yeah, well done. Great. It's fantastic. Kilimanjaro and our management. They, <laughs> I don't know how they did it, but they did it. Great work, and and of course I'm coming to see you next uh, next Wednesday, I think, in Nottingham. So I'm really yes. looking forward to that. So um, it'll be it'll be fabulous. So have you so. noticed then? Touring, I'm guessing, in this, this uh, I, I don't want to say post-COVID, because it's still very much around, as you all know. Mm. Is it incredibly different to how it was pre-COVID? Uh, no. No? I mean, the only, the only difference we feel is that we can't really mix with the crew. And usually we have dinner together. Everyone is like one big family, simply yeah. red. And uh, this time, of course, we had to be very careful not to, like, build little bubbles that shouldn't mix and we tried to do that so i'm hoping that in by summer we can all have uh, drinks and uh, food together again that would be great so and of course we couldn't get the guests backstage yeah naturally so it's all a bit i mean good for us we all get along really well and we like each other's company so that wasn't too hard for us but i imagine there are bands that go crazy and they have to just <laughs> be together all the time <laughs> it, it must be quite hard if you come off stage after a really really good show that you know you've taken the roof off and it must be quite nice to go back to when there's guests there and shaking your hands saying, oh amazing great it must be pretty quiet coming off when there's just the band you know and, and, and a few crew members i guess 
Yeah, yeah, it, it it is. But I mean, we go straight to the bus anyway. We do yeah. that after, even even if we have guests, we we have a few drinks and then we f off. Yeah. And uh, on the bus is our party, and uh, it's always good. It's a few <laughs> hours of very loud music, a few drinks. So it's I mean, it is what it is. So yeah. it's fine. We're but, having a good time, and we're glad glad we're out again. And you know what? Yeah, it's a million percent better than being stuck at home with with no music going on, isn't it? Let's Absolutely. So yeah, it's good to see it. It's good to see it happening. And um, so let's go back, if you don't mind, um, Roman, to your your native Switzerland as, as a youngster. Where did where did music kind of catch fire for you? Never mind drums. Where, where, what's your first memories of music? My dad uh, used to play cello. He wasn't a professional. He wanted to be a professional, but he wasn't allowed from his parents. Okay. So he was a teacher with a very big passion for music. And my early memories are like he he was he was the opposite of a music snob. He was listening to whatever came across and he's had he had a great collection of stuff. And he was one day he was Thelonious Monk, the next day it was Michael Jackson, and the day after it was some opera that he was uh, playing at. And so I grew up with a very vast broad music content and uh i started playing the violin when i was five and i'm pretty sure that's my father didn't make me play the violin at five but i mean there was his string uh his quartets were rehearsing at our place when i was little so i saw lots of violins and violas and cellis and so i started playing violin and uh age nine i wanted to play drums i can't remember what exactly it was but it must have been like early memories of that playing our blakey to me and stuff and that probably got me into that so i started alongside with violin i started playing drums but the drum teacher wasn't really a drummer he was like classically trained well he was a drummer but not in a pop rock yeah setting so it was a practice pad for three years straight until i was a uh, yeah, it was a, a long time, but somehow he made it really fun. So yeah. I had the basics when I sat down on a kick, age 12, and uh, I immediately stopped playing violin and focused on the drums. So, And here I am. D- during that time with the practice pad, you genuinely, you didn't go near a drum kit. That was... He, he had a drum kit in his room, and I sometimes, like, once in the blue moon, he showed me, like, a like a Roomba or some, not really what I really wanted to play. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, so the practice pad was actually more exciting than the, the, than the kit at that moment. We played lots wow. of marches and, and like really cool stuff, actually. Mm. So, yeah. Because I, was... I mean, it's 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 quite rare to hear some, I mean, I guess we're talking sort of, uh, are we talking early 80s? I mean, I'm not sure how old you are. That I'm was early asking, 80s, but... yeah. I was born seventy five, so right, okay. six now. Yeah, so, so yeah, me... early eighties. Because you, you normally hear this practice pad thing from like somebody who's learned from Joe Morello or, or yeah. something. You know, back <laughs> in the sixties, it seems quite um quite an old fashioned thing to do, doesn't it? You know, in the eighties, with so much music going on and and you know, rock yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it was uh, a drum kit was expensive, of course, and uh, so the practice pad wasn't. So that made sense. Yeah, and I think we had a bit more, was a bit more patience around. You know, you kind of didn't expect to immediately 
do whatever you want to do. You, you understood that you have to do a few steps and prove yourself to to get to where you want to be. Yeah, so I think that's part of it. And everyone else was the same. It wasn't like all my friends were able to get an electric guitar, and I was the one who had to play in the practice pad. Everyone was starting out with something that now is considered like super boring, mm. but yeah. probably quite important. In- Definitely, oh. I, it's um. It's it's fascinating that because as I say it's normally associated with with a time gone by when you would just stick to a pad, and and I guess yeah, yeah. and I guess there was less fighting for your attention in those days. You know, there was no no internet, no no YouTube. Yeah, exactly. MTV was kind of uh, died to happen, but but remember you know, those days? Yeah, good days. They were good days. I, I mean, so. I'm not I'm not wishing the internet away, but sometimes I do look back and think, wow, that was. That was amazingly quiet. Definitely. When I, um, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but my my phone, my iPhone tells me how long I've had online sometimes. And <laughs> yeah. and I think I could have practiced for those four hours or, you know, and it, oh, so I, I wish know. I'd rather not know sometimes, but yeah. It yeah, was it off. yeah. <laughs> so you're on your pad. I guess you're learning rudiments, reading, et cetera, and, and whatever else. Absolutely. I mean, single stroke rolls, double strokes, paradiddles, you know, you know them. Yeah. I, I practice them. And there's like these Swiss army marches that are quite, you know, all that army drumming comes actually originates in Switzerland in yes. the 1600, whatever. So they're like, and uh, there's lots, there's 12 Swiss army marches that I was studying. And they're really fun to play. So mm. anyone who uh, is listening to this, look them up. So really it, would, would, would this be related to Basel? Um, yeah, Basel is, is the the originating point of, of all this drumming. Mm. And uh, they have amazing drum corps there. And yeah. So it's, it's a, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of all that, actually, but playing them is a different thing than listening to them. Yeah. They're, they're amazing to play. Feel uh, really I mean- good. And I'm guessing the rudiments are the same rudiments that are used. I'm assuming, are they in something like that? Yeah, yeah, it's the same. Yeah, same thing. No, it's There's a few extras, the Swiss ones. Well, actually, I mean, you must know the Swiss triplets and yes, and all yeah. that stuff. And and yeah. the 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 five stroke roll starting with a flam. That's the typical Swiss. Rudiment. Is it really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's all over these marches. Yeah, look, I'll send them to you. Yeah, please do. Yeah, please. yeah. I got uh, got a copy on my laptop. So always looking for new and interesting stuff yeah. to teach your play. You know, so uh, that's really cool. Yeah, so, stuff. so once you got away from the pad, and I'm guessing you'd um, begged, borrowed, stealed some drums, or stole some drums, I should say. Uh, yes, I think my first kit was a. It was called PX fifteen hundred. I have no. It was probably some china made sounds like a motorbike <laughs> yeah exactly uh but of course it was a it was like beautiful red finish mm. and i loved it dearly so i practiced and practiced and yeah. practiced and i was fortunate enough uh, to grow up in a in a in a house with a you know in switzerland the houses you build they have to have like a bunker thing okay. that comes from the cold war Right. So each house has uh, its own bunker. Perfect. And uh, it's perfect to play drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's really well uh, isolated. 
Yeah, that sounds sounds about right. So, uh, yeah. and I, I guess at this point, then were you were you steering away from from maybe the more the march and classical stuff and what have you, and and, and heading towards the pop rock? Yes, age, age 13, I started to study in Basel with uh, Markus Fürst. His name is Great Drummer. Mm. And he, he was like the coolest guy. And when you're 13, he was like, he was my hero. So I really wanted to, to want him to like me. Yeah. I just found out I'm, I'm in contact with him. He's a good friend now. And uh, so I just recently found out I was actually his first student. Oh, wow. When he started out, he never told me that until recently. <laughs> I was his very first student, and uh, he was my first proper drum teacher. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was great. I spent, like, I think three or four years with him, mm. and uh, I've learned pretty much everything I do now from him. He must be so proud knowing what you've achieved, you know, since those days. You know, I hope he is. What what a great first <laughs> student to have to say, look, this is what I can offer you. Look what he's done. <laughs> he's had a few good, I mean, he was a, well, he, he is a great teacher. So sure. pretty much everyone I know who went to his lessons, to have lessons with him turned out really good. Yeah. So he, sure. he, he's one of those teachers who just kind of know how to, Know how where you are and and interest you in whatever you are interested in or should be interested in, and he was yeah very vibey at the same time. Yeah, that's a gift. Yeah, it, it really is. is. Yeah, I so always how try to be that teacher, but I don't think I have the same <laughs> that magic he had. Do you teach more? Do, do you teach a lot? I used to teach a lot. Yeah. Not now. It's it's not easy with this with sure. the touring. And yeah. uh, during the pandemic, I did a few online lessons, mm. but I have to say I'm not a fan of it. It's just kind of there's an element that. missing that I think is very important yeah. in in teaching. Yeah, sure, sure. So I wasn't I wasn't too interested in doing it. Mm. And I have like a handful of students who are very good drummers, so they come like whenever they think they need a quick kick in the butt yeah quick fix um, yeah and yeah. then they come for Ask. one two lessons and then they bugger off again for a few months <laughs> which is nice so how long before you found yourself playing in a band and doing what you do pretty much age 14 so a year after i started studying with marcus i uh i got a few friends together for my very first band right back and we uh we played like Old 70 rock covers, lots of Zeppelin. Yeah. A few ACDC, Deep Purple. All the standards. And yeah. Yes. And uh, yeah, we loved it. We practiced like crazy and it was good. Yeah. And we played gigs, little local. Good fun. Good fun. Good grounding. That's the way it should I be. I love looking back to those days. It was very exciting. Absolutely. Mm. So did you... Um, did you continue kind of your musical education, your formal education anywhere, or did you get out and do it or how did it work? I did. I, I, well, I was, my, my path was becoming, a, a or studying math and physics. That was my, my, my true love. Still yeah. is actually, I yeah. love math. Some weird reason. And, uh, and then I went on a student exchange program thingy and it, I went to Marana, Arizona, which is outside Tucson, so in the middle of the desert. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of time there, and I bought a nice pearl drum kit there in the local drum shop, Rainbow Guitars in Tucson. 
I think they're still around. Cool. And uh, so I, I was still able to practice in, in America in that year and uh, had lots of time to reflect about what I really want to do and what, where will, where do I want to be in 10 years time kind of thing. And then music always came up with that. And, but I always thought, well, that's not really a job, is it? So, so, and then funny enough, my dad sent me, that was pre-internet as well. So he sent me a letter with a a thing attached from a a new music school in Zurich called uh, uh, the Academy of Content. Temporary music. Uh, Billy Cobham was involved in that. He lives in Zurich. Ah, okay. Somehow he was involved. I never really actually saw him at the school, but somehow he was involved yeah. in the making of the program or something. And uh, my dad, not being able to be a professional musician, he really much liked the idea of me going that path if I wanted to. Yeah. So he sent me that. And uh, it was like, one of those it was the first music school professional music school with diploma and everything in switzerland that wasn't just jazz so you could study pop rock funk whatever your desire was great drum teachers there so i studied music for five years age i think i started 17 so i graduated 22 yeah age 22 and uh, started playing bands and started teaching lots yeah, the usual. Of course, of course. I mean, you, you've mentioned some styles there, uh, um, and I, I think the fact that you've studied such a broad range of music shows in in the recordings that, that you've done. Um, I mean, there's the oh, the Big Love album. Mm. Um, there's a track Daydreaming. If, if I don't know if if anybody's heard it, then mm. that's such a funky tune. I mean, I, I hear nice, yeah. I, I hear sort of elements of J.R. Robinson in that. With, and and it's just not it just ticks along nicely and it's got the whole album's got a great feel, but that, I really like the album. It really grew on me. It's it's, it's, it's a different, different kind of not what you expect, I'd say. No. Picking up a simply red album. Yeah. But I really love it. It's just got quite some amazing tunes on it. Absolutely, but you, you you're all about all about the feel and the groove, aren't you? That is obvious, and the sounds. Well, I'm trying to. I mean, I keep learning, and funny enough, Mick, our singer, he's he's very he's a, an amazing musician. So mm. he keeps telling me what he would like me to change a bit, feel wise, and takes me into pockets where I didn't even occur. To to me in this tune to try it more like a laid back thing or more of a so I keep learning to to uh to decide what feel is the right for what mm-hmm. and and everyone's a bit different so yeah sure very grateful for him to actually keep telling me all the little where he feels the pocket should be and so you're you're so, happy you're happy to take that on board you're, you you'd rather be told to say look you know, absolutely I, I want to know what what's what and and I mean he's my boss. Yeah, I want him to be happy with whatever I do. So that's my job. So yeah. yes, I want him to, to give me feedback. And mm. it's not, I mean, it's not like major things. It's just little, tiny little, there would be nice to hold back a little bit until we go into and that kind of sort of thing, or maybe a bit more of a build up in that section. Yeah. Try starting a bit, maybe with cross stick and then go into, so yeah, that's it's really nice, and, and I'm sure some of these things when he said them, you, you'd probably think, "Oh yeah, it makes sense." Why didn't I? 
realizing he's doing the first, but you know. Well, I tried on the next yeah. show, and then it it totally makes sense. And uh, I tried, and he looks at me and smiles. You know, tiny little milliseconds difference, but he feels it instantly, and and uh, I feel it as well. The whole band seems to kind of relax a bit more when I do that, and it's, it's really amazing how much just that tiny split second yeah. of a snare hit makes. It's, it's funny, isn't it? How, you know, and, and I think a real credit to Mick that he's got that musical ear that he can, he can suggest. Absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm very grateful that. for that. Really, really. I learn a lot every day from him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. That's... is there, is there click involved in the show or is it, is it a click? Absolutely. There is. It is a, it's pretty much all on click track, which makes sense for the video guys because course, they do yeah. all their little little things. And it's actually nice for me. Some nights you're a bit more nervous than another. And, and sometimes I start to click and think that's much too slow. And then, but it is where it should be. But I would have counted it in much yeah. faster if, if it wasn't for the click. So it, it takes another thing away to stress about. Yeah. I know the tempo is here. I play along to that tempo. Everything is fine. The click doesn't lie, as they say. It really doesn't. It's just amazing. Some nights you feel like everything is much too slow, and some nights you feel, wow, you have to speed up a bit to keep keep with the click. It's, it's quite amazing. I have heard this from so many incredible drummers that I have spoken to, and they all say the same thing. So you're not on your own, Roman. It is a, good, it, good to it's hear. A com- it's a common thing. <laughs> so, yeah, good, good. That's yeah. nice to hear. Uh, I mean, and again, variety in styles. The um, the Symphonica in Rosso album, where you open up with all or nothing at all. I mean, that's a total what a thrill! Oh, you you you're a born big band drummer. That's amazing playing. Oh, thank you very much. Beautiful playing. It really is. That, uh, yeah, that was a bit. I was a bit nervous for that kind of because that's not my usual my usual thing. Didn't come but across it was still nervous. Fun. Oh, it thank you sounded, very much. Sounded great. So I did study the big band stuff before that. Did you enjoy doing that? Absolutely. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, must have been 50-piece orchestra, that one. Uh, humongous. And uh, being an sitting in the middle of it, you feel, I had the, the celli right next to me, and you feel the frequencies more than you hear them. It's, that was a thrill. That was amazing. Yeah, I can imagine. It's just, uh, mm. and, and as, as orchestras go, it was an incredible one as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're yeah. all. I mean, it, it, it sounded to me like um, an actual orchestra that's worked together a lot. I don't know if it was or whether we're all just hired session players, but it, it gelled beautifully. The whole album um, is just. I think perfect. they do this once a year with different different acts. Yeah. I think they've done a few of those and they all seem to know each other very well. So I, I guess they all work together quite often. Yeah. Cause sometimes you can tell if, if, if a bunch of high end musicians thrown together, it doesn't, it, although yeah, it's gel, really good, it doesn't have that, that feel that, that that album does. And, um, no, that was, um, I mean, we only got to, to, uh, to rehearse with the orchestra. I think was it one or two days? Yeah prior to the show so we we rehearsed for us and we were in contact with the orchestra and we sent stuff over to them and they sent stuff back to us and we practiced to that and then we had to change it again i think kevin robinson our trumpet player was the md for the whole thing for this one and uh so he was in in constant writing rearranging mode sending it over to to amsterdam they recorded it sent it back to us it was it was amazing i mean it was really amazing Incredible to be part of it, and, and oh, man. Um, it's you know, and, and it comes across really well 
on uh, on Love CD, it. on audio as well. Mm. You know, you can just hear the the life in it, and nice. it's it's superb. Really, really good. Well, um, you know, that, that variety of styles, I think I, I learned most of that. I learned, uh, I played lots of, of uh, function stuff, mm. weddings and, and birthdays and whatnot. And I mean, usually open with a few bossa nova and a few jazz tunes, and then you go into a bit more pop rock. And at the end, you, you really beating the hell out of, of everything and, and that kind of you have to be good at pretty much all the styles you have to be able to play that rumba that i had to learn when i was eight or nine and uh that really really got me into studying more than than my natural where i was comfortable yeah. so i started to to do that john riley book with the play alongs and yes. try to get the brushes on the control and and that really made me do that as it was my job and it was where the money came in so i had to be good at it the, the john riley book is my nemesis i'm working my way through it slowly <laughs> oh, man, I, so still, I still still do it and i still love it and the yeah. play-alongs are just beautiful yeah yeah i mean really well done I'm always disappointed, though, after doing the play-alongs, going to an actual band, and it never sounds quite as yeah. good. <laughs> but maybe that's maybe that's just me. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I used to record myself playing along and and listening back to you know, and I think no, that does, doesn't sound like when he does it. Let's do it again. <laughs> I never got to actually sound like him. No. I mean, he's a fantastic drummer, yeah. but I got close enough for me to be happy with. Sure. Or starting to think, actually, maybe I can do that. Mm. Well, I, I have to say that the styles that you play, uh, that, that I've heard, obviously on various mm. recordings and uh, YouTube clips and what have you, they're all done convincingly, which is, you know, which is That's a credit nice to hear. Well, it is, you know, uh, it's there for everyone to hear. I'm not saying it just because you sat in front of me. It's uh, well, um, thank you very much. No, it's fine. So, tell me, how did how did the simply red gig? Come about. I know. I know you've done some stuff with Mick uh, in a solo capacity previous. Yes. Well, the whole thing, funny enough, started on a gig in Switzerland that I didn't want to do, <laughs> but it was one of those like, a monthly thing, and and it was in a bar, and they wanted to get more people in on a Tuesday night, mm -hmm. which never really worked. So we always played like for seven people. Sure. And they then probably left and it was just us for the last set kind of thing mm -hmm. so it wasn't an exciting show to do but then a bass player i haven't seen for a long time came along and i talked to him and he told me about this gig he's doing kirsty Bertarelli. and i said ah oh, like as a joke don't you need a drummer for that and he said oh actually funny enough we're gonna uh, have a, a audition in, in in a few weeks time i'll put you on the list so I auditioned for that gig, and that was uh, the guy who auditioned was uh, Andy Wright, the Simply Red's producer. Yes, yeah. And he produced Kirsty as well. So I got to know him. I got the gig, so we became friends. And then I asked him, so what would happen if I moved to London? Because all my life, my dream was to get out of Switzerland, go yeah. places, be it LA or London or New York or wherever. But I was... <clears throat> old enough to understand that I shouldn't just move there and and starve and go back again. I yeah. need to have a contact in yeah. in a city like London. It's hard to survive without someone looking sure. after you. 
So Andy said, well, I have a few things, not an amazing amount of it, but come over and we can work a bit. Mm. And so I think two weeks later, I had I had my uh, flat. Well, it wasn't a flat. It was a room in a flat share. Yeah, sure. So I started working with Andy Wright, doing little bits and bobs in the studio. And uh, like half a year later, I got a call from him. And he said, uh, would you like to do a, a corporate with uh, Simply Red? And I'm like, would I? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, scary moment. I, yeah, mean, I knew that I've, I've, I've uh, supported them a few times mm. over the years and I had huge respect for, for those musicians and, and Mick. So, uh, yeah, scary. But uh, of course, I said, yes, would love to do it. So we did that corporate and uh, we got along really well. So Mick called me a bit later, asked me. So he's doing a solo album, the American Soul. Mm -hmm. Would I be interested in uh, being part of that? And uh, I was very interested in being part of that. So we re recorded that. That was uh, end 11, early 2012. And then we toured that in 13. Yeah. And then we recorded the Big Love album, 14. And then I got the call that Mick wants to take me on tour with him for Simply Red. And uh, that was an instant knighthood for me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, he can pretty much hire any drummer he wants to. So yeah, that was a total thrill. An amazing gig. Uh, and it's just great music to play. There's no bad songs. There's oh. no... It, it, for, I am so me, blessed. It's the ultimate gig for me from from my style you know i think I, so yeah i i, I just mm. yeah it's such great i mean he's a great songwriter great in the voice well yeah better than ever i mean you'll hear it next next week it yeah. is unbelievable he is unbelievable and, and you know what a back catalogue of songs to play as well um and that's the other thing i mean we can open with a big hit because there's so many of them yeah yeah, it can, it's it's really and the uh, the pool, the song pool we take on tour is huge. Yeah. Do you and do you just, do you vary the sets night to night, or is it is it has a a kind of form and you'll change bits? We do change. I mean, we started different than we are now, so there are some songs fall out, others come in. We try a thing, we we rearrange them. We it's usually not a set list like the one last last night. Yeah, sure. Some changes will be in there, but mostly not radical. Just yeah. one song maybe replaces another one. So just... But there might be surprises coming in, and you don't really get the set list before like 7 p.m. or so. So so yeah, if there is anything, anything different in there that you haven't done for a while, you don't get time to run it. No, you have to just yeah. maybe quickly listen to it. Yeah. But we've, we've played them so many times. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, but it, it keeps it keeps the gig interesting as well. Keeps it fresh. Yeah, and I think he he does it mostly for that. So everyone's a bit on their toes and yeah. a bit of I'm, adrenaline going. I'm assuming there's no reading going on in the gig at all. No. No. No, no, we got <laughs> enough rehearsal time to, yeah. to make sure we nail it. Yeah. Do you start off with, with, with any notation at all, or do you, do you always go in fully learned? I have everything, like, like not not written out, but I've got all the tunes, as, as in uh, eight bars of chorus Cheat into sheets. eight bars of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. But And uh, 
I try not ever taking them out anymore. Yeah. But sometimes we do a song we haven't done for like five years, then I quickly take it out in rehearsals. Yeah. And then put it away instantly. I don't want to be glued to the screen. And you know how it is. When you have them next to you, you will look at it. <laughs> it's the safety blanket. Yes. It is, yeah. Yeah. So but it keeps you away from the music in a way. I'm not I'm not a great reader anyway, but if I'm not looking at my bandmates and at the people, it kind of takes me away from where I should be. Absolutely. I feel a bit disconnected. Totally. And and do you have, I mean, I, I have a favorite Simply Red song, and I used to play it in a function band. Um, do you have a favorite one that you play? No, I, I love the challenge of uh, uh, Enough. Mm-hmm. Great song. And we play that pretty much every night. So that is a, that is like the first adrenaline moment in the set. It's like song number five or six or so. Yeah. yeah. So that's like when, when you know, it's kind of the, the show starts now. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I love yeah. Your Mirror. That is one I've always loved playing. It's yeah, just... that's pretty much right after Enough. Yeah. And then we're we're off. Such a cool song. Yeah. Um... But I mean, there's so many. Come to my aid is a great song to play. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, but they're all really good songs. So I enjoy playing them all. Yeah. And I love ballads. I mean Mick is kills the ballads as well. So <laughs> play like brand new and all those. It's beautiful to play. Yeah. He, and, uh, I, I don't think people sometimes are quite aware of how big simply red are, you know, across the world. They're huge, aren't they? They're really I think are. it's 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 the typical where you're from, people kind of downplay you a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh I mean, we hit mainland Europe and, and it seems to be much, <clears throat> well, no, I wouldn't say bigger or, or any more exciting or anything. It just seems to, yeah, I think the Brits don't know how good he really is. Yeah. Or, I mean, he is probably the best singer in, well, one of the top singers in the world right now. Yeah, I, I, yeah I totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, Quincy Jones loves to work with him. It's like yeah. he's got... Everyone knows how amazing he is in, in the music industry, of course. Just incredible. I mean, and, and let's, be, before we before we disappear, I have to talk about your lovely organic drum sounds that you get, where, you know, whether it's live, recorded, they sound great. And and obviously, um, being a, a Swiss gentleman, I guess you had to use Peisty. Is that, is that part of the rules? If you're Swiss, you use Peisty. Yes, I use Peisty, but not for long, actually, only okay. since 2018. Okay. Because uh, I was with a, another company before for a long time, mm-hmm. and that was mainly because they had a Swiss uh, import company. Mm-hmm. And I played Pearl at that time, and the same company had another simple company. Yeah. And uh, that's how I got into them. And then years and years of playing them, but I really, I wasn't too happy at the end, kind of with, with not with the symbols that were amazing, but the when when we do like touring and they need another symbol somewhere, or it wasn't easy to get a good replacement or uh, an actual set for a flying gig. Or, yeah. And I mean, Paiste is just unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I'm so much more relaxed now ever since I'm with Paiste because I know when I order a 22602 Modern Essential ride anywhere in the world, it will sound the same as my copy that I have in sure. my in my studio. So I 
don't have to worry about the quality of symbols that will arrive anywhere in the world, which is great. That that particular range is absolutely stunning. I believe. Um, I think I heard. Does 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 Vinny use Vinny Collier to use those? Yeah, I think he was part of the development of yeah. the six hundred two modern essentials. So yeah. he was the main guy who who shaped them into a bit more of a modern mm. modern sound with the with the the essence of the old six hundred two warmth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They are great to play. I love them in the studio and live. Yeah. But in addition to them, I got a 24 uh, Masters ride. The, the John Robinson ah. verse is fantastic to play. Is that the it's, one with the fill, the little fill to rock with you written? Yeah, on? yeah. yeah notated. Yeah, that's a cool, <laughs> little, cool little thing, isn't it? And, and you know, for life in big stadiums, it's it really, you can really hear it yeah. nice and clear. It's it's not a wash of some, it's, be, it's there, but it's not pingy in a way. It's really nice sound. It's a very warm sound somehow, but it really cuts through everything. It's I shall really, look forward to hearing it on Wednesday. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is a, I'm so happy I took that on tour with me because first I wasn't going to use it and then I put it on for a night and I was like, all right, yeah. that's that then for the rest of the tour. Superb. And yeah. drum-wise, are you, you're Gretsch, I believe. I'm Gretsch. I've got a USA custom on tour with me right now. Yep. And I've got a, a broadcaster in my studio. Beautiful. They record ridiculous. Yeah. You don't really have to do anything to them. You just hit them and it's fantastic. I used to take them on tour with me, but I think due to the thin shells, they don't give back as much yeah. on, on a big stage as, as like a USA custom or a or a Brooklyn. Sure, sure. So yeah, on the on the on the Rosso thing, the orchestra thing, that was a Brooklyn. Ah, kick, okay. Right. Which I really like as well. 22 kick. But then I thought, you know what? I love 24 kicks. So I, I got a new one in, and that's now the USA really? custom with a 24 kick. Wow. That's, love it. You don't you don't generally associate a drum of that size with this style of music, do you? You mm. generally think John Bonham and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, well, whatever. It's, it's all in the tuning and the muffling yeah, of taking. But it's great to play, and it's it's it again, it, it gives something back. It's yeah. just like that. I mean, of course, I got my my uh Porter and Davies tactile monitor seat yes. yeah that is a every once in a while in, in sound check i turn it off because i think like i can't really is it doing anything yeah and then you turn it off and everything is just disappears there's no low end then you're on those big stages in those stadiums there's yeah. like no bass at all it's like oh god that could be impossible to play a show like that turn it on again it's like oh yes Thank it's you so much it's amazing to see how clean the stages are these days you know no wedges yeah, yeah. no no side fills no no uh no drum fills i remember the first time i saw um that kind of monitoring was uh gavin harrison drum right. and oh he's a monster he, yeah he was on ears with the with the porter and davis um mm. i think I think it was called the bum chum at the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I think they changed it to whatever it is. And, and then, uh, but I remember asking him about it and he said, this is the way things are going to go. And I you thought, know it's called the BC. And now I know where that comes from. The bum chum. There you the go. And, and, and I'm sure you can ask uh, whoever, uh, I forgot the, what's the guy's name from Porter and Davis. Can't remember his name. Uh, Dale. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure he'll, um, <laughs> I'm sure he'll set you right. It's funny that. you say that. I didn't Bunch know that. Up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what Gavin Harrison told me anyway. So I'll, oh, I'll yeah. take it. 
Look, Roman, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. It really has. Um, well, thanks for having me. Thanks for giving up your day off to, um, you know, to, to to chat. It's been very kind of you. It's back to bed for me now. For Excellent. Half hour or so. <laughs> well, enjoy. Well, I'm um, looking forward to, to seeing you in Nottingham. Yes, I, I'm really looking forward to that. And um, I, I appreciate the offer. It's very kind of you. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks, Roman. Right. Enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of the tour. See you soon. Thank you very yeah. much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye.